Hello, Whalers Nation and all who are joining us here today. Welcome to the Whalers Podcast, Beyond the Numbers with the Whalers. I am Chris Morris, the voice of Whaler Sports on the Nantucket Sports Connection. We are excited to be talking to Whalers players, past and present, coaches, and supporters of our Nantucket Athletics Program. But we're not just chatting about stats or analyzing X's and O's. We're going beyond the playing field. And today, our guest on Beyond the Numbers is Chris Morey, who fits all of those categories of our mission as a former graduate of Nantucket High School, multi-sport athlete. He just retired after coaching the softball team for 30 years. Amazing accomplishment. And, of course, was our athletic director. So uh, sprinkling sprinkling a little uh, Whalers broadcasting, and he pretty much epitomizes Whalers pride. Chris, welcome. Happy to have you here and uh, looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, I thank you for, for having me on here. I'm looking forward to it. And before we go any further, congratulations on an incredible career, not only on the coaching field, but certainly uh, leading Whalers Nation into the future, really, because uh, you know you had to deal with uh, some pretty big obstacles, and not just the puzzle that you normally put together as the athletic director for travel and all that stuff, but COVID was right in the in the middle of uh, you know your your regime as well. Maybe we'll start there because that's kind of how you and I developed a, a professional relationship in this broadcasting thing and really the Nantucket Sports Connection, which is what we're doing now. Tell us a little bit about navigating that whole scenario. Well, as you know, when COVID hit, it changed uh, an awful lot of things. Yeah. And the way I looked at it from a standpoint of the athletic director's job was I wanted to do everything I could to keep uh, kids active and, and busy. I think it was unfortunate that, uh, you know, the kids were out of school. Um, and in a lot of ways, that was really the worst thing that could possibly have happened um, for them. So what we did is we went to work to try and put together the best plan we possibly could uh, to get the kids back on the court, back on the ice, out being active and playing. And, you know, I feel we were fortunate that we were able to put together a plan um, that did just that and did it in a very, very safe fashion. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun answering that phone call. Hey, do you mind coming in and, uh, you know, putting together something? We were on Facebook Live when we first started our live broadcast. And really, we didn't we didn't know what to expect. You know, I, I had... That was a new foray for me. I hadn't done actual broadcasting, you know, with the play-by-play. Uh, and I remember it like it was yesterday with a phone and a little tripod and uh, and off we went. And then you were like, hey, how about hockey? <laughs> and so fortunately, we got to the point where we got the professionals involved here at NCTV and, and, and off we went. But uh, personally, I want to thank you for making that call and trusting me with that because, man, it was... Whalers Nation needed to have that as well as far as seeing their children, grandchildren, uh, nephews and nieces on the playing field and and really having something to look forward to and being positive in that really awful time uh, for, for a lot of people. Well, you know, and people will talk all the time about the positives that came out of the whole uh, COVID era. And I think that, you know, the broadcasts that we started and the broadcasts that have continued since then, that's without a doubt one of those positives. Um, I knew just from the the work that you had done with us as far as announcing basketball games and stuff that uh, you would be a perfect fit for this. Um, You've got a a great voice. You love sports and um, you just do a tremendous job with it. And so um, my congratulations. Congratulations to you because you've taken what started out as a, you know, 
kind of a, a band-aid yeah. to fix something that was broken and you've turned it into something that's very, very special. Forget the COVID, we live on an island and there are a lot of people that don't get the opportunity to see the kids play um, and watch or hear these games. Having these broadcasts means everything in the world. I mean, you get people, I'm sure, all the time that are down in Florida or somewhere else in the country. They're following this stuff and they love the fact that they can do that. One of my favorite ones was uh, at the, the Amesbury game, you know, because you have live chat uh, with, uh, with the YouTube thing. And uh, Ian Williams was flying in a plane at 30,000 feet and he chimed in, I'm watching from 30,000 feet, this is awesome. Uh, but let's take a step back and uh, sort of lay the groundwork. You know, were you born and raised? I was born and raised on Nantucket. Okay. Um, I was born in the old cottage hospital, which was on Westchester Street, which there, there are not a ton of us left around here. That We uh, won't go with the dates. Uh, no, <laughs> we, we can keep the dates out of this, but it was a while ago. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I was born and raised here, um, went through all my schooling here, and then uh, went off to college uh down in South Carolina, down at Clemson. Okay. Um, and then came back to Nantucket and started my own business and have been here um, ever since. And then as far as sports in high school, what did you play for sports? So sports, when I was in high school, you were limited. You yeah. didn't have quite what we have today. Um, I played uh, football. Um, I played track in the spring, mm. and we actually had a track team. Right. Um, coach Capizzo then was both the coach of the football program, and he also coached track in the spring. And uh, um, it was it was interesting. I can remember we he says with a wry smile did, over here. Didn't go to a lot of meets, <laughs> but I can remember we went to an invitational meet over at Dennis Charmouth High School. And Vito came over, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Maury, come over here. You're going to throw the shot put. And I'm like, Vito, I've never done it before. And he said, just shut up. I'll show you how to do it. And, you know, I'm over there at a whopping probably 190 pounds against these guys that are all 265 pounds. But um, we got through it. It was an experience and I learned something. There you go. Um, So basically, and then as a senior, um, I didn't uh, start playing basketball until I was a a senior in high school. And I played basketball my senior year um, but you did not have the the selection of programs that you uh, that you have today and obviously back then everything was very very different from a standpoint sure. of travel there were no no fast ferries around so when we traveled we were on that slow boat um, believe, overnight believe, excursions believe it or not <laughs> when we were traveling for football yeah the school used to schedule a car parade to the boat so everybody in the high school was assigned to a car, got in a car, went down to the boat to see the football team off on a Friday. Um, that was that's that was, awesome. That was can you I, you wouldn't see it happening today? No, unfortunately, no. unfortunately, that kind of uh, you know celebration really is is a, a little bit lost because of all the sports. You know, you're not. The kids just have too, almost too many choices. Um, but, yeah, it's, I mean, it, again, watching, uh, watching some of that old film, you know, like Scott Capizzo has pulled up and stuff like that, uh, seeing the stands and the, all around the football field really just filled with uh, all the fans. You know, it was the thing to do. You know, it was a, it was a happening. It was, it was the place to be. Well, it was. And when, you know, you talk about Coach Capizzo, when he came to the island, he kind of caught a sleeping hollow, sleepy hollow, and, you know, really gave the community something to rally around in the in the off season. And um, it just kind of kind of took off from there. You know, you talk about the old films and stuff. My kids for a a birthday a number of years ago, I had some of the old eight 
millimeter oh, films nice. that we have. They took them, they put them on discs. Sure. Um, which was kind of cool to to see. It looks very, very, uh, very, very different in some ways from what you see today, but also very, very similar in some sure. ways from what you see on that football field today. And we were playing on the exact same football field that you um, you see the kids on today. So well, the, the tradition is certainly uh, you know as a wash ashore, what attracted me to get into get involved in one way, shape, or form with the sports programs and uh, and the athletic program, and certainly now uh, you know on on YouTube and and really celebrating as many sports as I can get. But uh, Whaler Pride is something that just never goes away even after you graduate uh and certainly you have taken advantage of that um, you know talk to us a little bit how the athletic department uh, the athletic director job how that kind of evolved where did it um you know evolve from obviously you started as a coach as well and and then anyway i'll let you tell the so, story <laughs> as a coach i started as a coach yeah. um basically coaching my kids and it really started with you know the football program at the boys and girls club and then through little league and I had coached my sons, obviously, in football, and I coached them in Little League, and I coached my daughter in Little League. And as my sons got older and were moving into the high school level, there was a void there because there was no middle school baseball program at that mm. time. So <clears throat> I paired up with a – it was actually a resource officer at the school. Tim Galvin was a police officer here. Mm -hmm. He and I started a middle school baseball program together. Oh, and that's how What year I, was that? When was it? Oh, that was, I think, somewhere in the early 1990s. Okay. Um, and did that for a few years and then – there was a need for a JV baseball coach, and Vito asked me to move up and coach the JV baseball team. Um, I did that for a couple years. At that point, the softball coaching position opened up, and that's when my daughter gave me the look and the tap on the shoulder <laughs> and said, hey, what about me? Right. And uh, I jumped in in 1994, uh, took that position, and... I will tell you, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I just love this. There's something about the sport. Softball can, is, a, in a lot of ways, a very, little quicker sport than baseball is. There are a lot more things you can do from a coaching standpoint and stuff. And I loved working with the sport, and I loved working with the girls. So um, I did that up till 2022. Now, in 2008, which yeah. is when I took the athletic director's job, Prior to that, the athletic director's position had come open a couple times, and I had talked to my wife, Beth, a couple times and said, you know, <clears throat> that's always been something I wanted to do. I always, really? I've always loved sports, and coming out of high school, it was kind of a tear as to whether I was going to go into a physical education program or go into um, architecture. Yeah. Um, I ended up going into an architecture program, actually studied construction management right, right. Um, at Clemson University. But then when the job came up a couple times, I kind of toyed with the idea. But the third time that it came open, I said to Beth, I said, look, this is not a bad time. The kids are all older now. Right. Um, I'd love to give it a shot. And as she's always done with me, she was very, very supportive. And um, the rest was kind of history. I did my interviews and stuff and was fortunate enough to get the job and started in 2000, 2008. Now, when I first took that athletic director's job, one of the stipulations was coaching is done. Right. 
Um, they wanted the athletic director to solely focus on that athletic director's job. When John Bucky came in as the school's new principal, hmm. uh, he met with me and he said, I understand that you're a pretty good coach <laughs> and we don't have a lot of real good coaches in this system. Yeah. My athletic director at my former school coached two different sports as well as being the athletic director. I think you can do the job. Would you be okay continuing to coach? And I said, I would love it. Right. Um, we went to work. We cleared it with the school committee and the powers that be and moved forward from that point with me doing both jobs. Wise choice by all, by the way. <laughs> That's, uh, obviously, uh, you went another however many years. and uh, Well, there, there might have been days when I would disagree with you on that, but no. Um, yeah. Yeah, it worked out. It actually worked out very well. Well, speaking of the challenges, talk about the challenge of coaching your own kids. I mean, that's certainly uh, <clears throat> an interesting home dynamic, I'm sure. It is, and it's something that, and I can remember sitting down with, um, you know, Vito when I first took the job as softball coach and was going to be coaching my own daughter at, yeah. a, at a varsity level. I had coached my kids in Little League. I would coached um, my son in, sons in middle school right. baseball. And I had coached one son in JV baseball, but nothing at the varsity level. And, you know, we talked about it. And, you know, you really have to put on a hat where your kid becomes one of the players. Yeah. And I sat down with Elizabeth and we talked about it and made sure that we understood, you know, what some of the ins and outs were going to be. And I said, you know, there are going to be a lot of times when you're going to be hanging with your friends and your dad's not going to be the most popular guy in the world. Yeah. And you're going to have to learn to just let that roll off your back. And we talked about it. We agreed. And, you know, we moved forward. And it all worked out very, very well. Why softball? It was just it was an open thing. I had been coaching baseball. And it was an opportunity to, you know, coach, coach my daughter. And right. she was the one that kind of gave me the... Um, the nudge, and I thought I could do a, a good job with it. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, I came into it knowing absolutely zero about the game. I had the baseball background, right. but softball is a very, very different sport. And, you know, the first year was an eye-opener and a learning experience. Yeah. But I loved it, and I decided that, you know, I wanted to do it and kind of rolled up my sleeves and went to work to educate myself, got a lot of books, got a yeah. lot of videos, went to – you know, coaching clinics and stuff and tried to learn as much as I could about the game. And the the more I coached it, the more I learned, the more I met people that had been coaching it, yeah. the more hooked I got. And now you're still sort of consulting for this year, just to making the transition for the new regime. Is that difficult to go to the field or is it is it just you're so used to it and, and it's easy? I went to the field for the, the first time on Monday. Yeah. Um, I've been... In communication with uh, GA and, you know, have let her know that I will help her any way, shape, or form that I can. I don't want to step on her toes in yeah. doing that. So what I'm doing primarily is to try and help out with the pitchers a little bit. Um, you've got a senior girl, Olivia Scott, who's yeah. a terrific kid. Been working and pitching for a number of years. I work with her a few times over the the late winter. Sure, um, set it up so that I could help her try and get ready for the season. Right. And what I'm doing now is going to a couple practices a week. Yeah. Trying to work basically with the pitcher and catcher crew just to help 
Grace Ann out and to help the program out. Um, I also was in the gym last night. Uh, Doug LeBrec, who coaches the middle school sure. um, softball team, asked me to come in, and we had a group of eight girls that were in there that are trying to learn to pitch and basically ran them through a clinic and have offered to help him where I, I could. There you go. And with my softball career, I mean, that's primarily what I have been have done. I realized early on that pitching was a huge part of the game, so I started with the Little League program to try and build that program up. Um, and as they got their Little League softball program, came in, did a lot of uh, pitching clinics with those girls and with the coaches to try and get an understanding of the mechanics and stuff so right. that we could start building that that feeder system that we needed. And I will say that, um, you know, we've had a number of really good players and really good pitchers that have come through that. McLean uh, being. Little, little League program. McLean being one of them. And, but you go back further yeah. than that, there's a pile of them. So. I go to my first year of coaching, and the girl that was the um, girl that was nabbed to be the starting pitcher the yeah. next year decided she wasn't going to play. <laughs> so I had to invent a pitcher my first year of coaching. We had a foreign exchange student, a girl by the name of Ileana Georgieva, that okay. was living with us. Ah. And terrific kid. Yeah. One of these kids that it, if you said, Ileana, I need you to run through that brick wall over there, she would be out there just running at that wall. And, a coach's and, dream, really. Oh, just terrific kid. And um, she put in a lot of work. We had a lot of laughs. We had a lot of fun. And she did a she did a great job with it. That was kind of the story. So the seeds of, of how the path and the strategy of of uh, developing the team. Now, uh, you did tell me before we sat down here that you now have a granddaughter playing softball, but she plays for a different different team. So tell us about that. And she's playing for Rising Tide sure. this year. She actually goes to a uh, private Christian school. Okay. Um, they, my son Chris lives in Berkeley, Mass., which is just outside of Taunton. She goes to the Samuel Fuller School. Okay. And they are co-op with Rising Tide. So she and another good girl from Samuel Fuller are playing softball for Rising Tide this year. I went up last week, and I, we were up there visiting them and worked with Emmy a little bit. She yeah. wants to become a pitcher, so we went through our pitching routine and Perfect. got her into that. And then we went to a place with batting tunnels down in New Bedford. Right. Um, worked with her with hitting a little bit. And... Good. She's a good athlete. She's a volleyball player as well as a softball player, and uh, looking forward to being able to um, to see her play. You know, one of the things as a softball coach, and you know, I talk about it all the time. My family's had to make a lot of sacrifices because it takes up a lot of time, and you know, I have not been able to see some of my grandkids on the athletic fields. Um, you know, obviously the ones that are not on Nantucket, that's just not going to happen when, right. you're, when you're coaching a sport. So I'm excited about having the opportunity not only to see her play, but also to work with her a little bit. Absolutely. Now, are you going to have one of the uh, the Kelsey Moms jackets where you've got Rising Tide and Nantucket on either side? or <laughs> What side of the field are you well, going to Well, you know, the good news is that I think both schools' colors are kind of blue and white, oh, so it'll make, make it easy. And uh, obviously, you know, blood is thicker than sure. Water, so sure. I have to I'm be, be pulling for my granddaughter, but, but uh, obviously from a team standpoint, I'll always be pulling for the Whalers. That, that's the perfect answer. Yeah, you, you always know what to say. Were there any individual players that really stood out? 
not just softball. Well, definitely one one of the softball. You know, I'd love to hear what you have as far as you know a standout. But just in general, is there a kid you really gravitated towards and was rooting for and and happy to see succeed? Or you know, and and obviously as the athletic director, you're rooting for all of them. But oh, this favorite. I know. You I'm know, sure there's, there's probably a, a pile of them. But I, you know, the, the first one that always comes to my mind when people ask me about you know former Whaler athletes and stuff is. Um, John Aloisi. Mm-hmm. Um, John Aloisi was a three-sport athlete here, and if you wanted to define this definition of what you want a student athlete to be, all you would have to do would be to take John and just mirror that. Yeah. Um, good kid, good student, hard worker, uh, good head on his shoulder. He went to uh, Holy Cross, yeah. um, played football at Holy Cross. He's one of two players in the history of the Holy Cross program that have ever been named as a captain both their junior and senior years. Wow, there you go. And I think that in itself gives you an idea of just what an outstanding young man he was. Yeah. Now, when uh, Coach Capizzo came into my office and let me know that he was going to be retiring, I was on the phone very quickly with John. John was then coaching at Worcester Academy, and I knew that he would be the perfect fit to rebuild this program. Yeah. Um, we were fortunate that we, we got him hooked. Um, initially, he had agreed to come and give me three years. He pretty much turned the program around in two years, but unfortunately his wife wasn't thrilled with the idea of living on an island. Um, her job was one that really required her to be over in America. Yeah. Yeah. And so... He, you know, came in and let me know after that second year that he was not going to be able to do that third year. But, yeah. you know, he's coaching to this day. He coaches in the uh, in the Worcester area. He's coaching yeah. uh, Shrewsbury. And just real good athlete and an out, outstanding young young man. Yeah, almost a better person, but the athletics was, was also yeah. there as well. And as far as an overall moment or maybe a season or something any of like whalers moment jump out at you oh you know there are there are so many of them you know um, good moments and bad moments um i always comes to mind when my my son chris um was uh playing football and that was actually a year that we lost to martha's vineyard over here and that was the the 14 to 12 game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, where Martha's Vineyard came from behind yeah. and beat us. And that game, basically, if you went around this community the day after that game, it was like somebody who was very, very close to everybody in the yeah. community had died. You could just feel the somber attitude yeah. of everybody. And it kind of defined how important Whaler sports really were to to our community. On the flip side of that, a lot of those memories really stem around some of the Island Cup games. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to go back to John Aloisi for a minute. Um, his first year as coach was the year that we did not play the vineyard. Ah, um, right, felt right. we needed a year to get our feet back underneath us. Sure. Um, we went back over there to play them the following year. We lost that game. But I will tell you right now, that's probably one of the best high school football Mm -hmm. games I have ever seen. That's probably one of the best efforts I have ever seen. Really a a great performance, and basically what it did is it just put put all the fire and the wind back in the sails of that rivalry, Um, and it's been good ever since. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the next one was when 
Um, it was when Brian Ryder was coaching, and we went over there, and the cup came back home with us. That was obviously very, very special, and it was good to see that cup stay here as as long as it did. Yeah. You know, and you, you get away from football and witness some great experiences from a standpoint. Girls basketball, um, you at UMass Boston playing in the, you know, the semifinals of the state tournament. Willis Ferrer was coaching the girls at yeah. that point. We took, I think, three busloads of kids up there um, for that game. Same thing with our boys' soccer program. Yeah. I wouldn't want to I, – I couldn't count how many times we have traveled to – watch them play in tournament play and you know rich brannigan from start to finish has done just an incredible job with that program and i always used to, i used to talk to mike cozart about soccer a lot and when he talk about rich brannigan i say you know the sign of a good coach is when they're playing that much better at the end of the season than they were at the beginning of the season and with rich i always saw somebody that his teams were always better yeah. at the finish of the, the journey season. was was always ascending. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, uh, swim program. The swim program going off and winning a a state championship meet was a very, very special uh, event. And I can remember this day, the day that they, when they came back, the bus pulled up to the school. Yeah. And they walked into that um, Hall of the Whale, and the entire school was there to uh, greet them. A very, very special moment. That's awesome. That, and uh, again, it's it's palpable the the energy, and uh, it's goosebump stuff. I mean, I, I I'm getting goosebumps, and I didn't even I wasn't even there. And uh, I appreciate you sharing some of those because I know there's probably about ten more <laughs> you can get to. But um, it, it's well, great. I'm probably going to get out of here, and somebody's going to listen and say, well, "Why didn't you? Why didn't you mention this?" Why well, it wouldn't be Nantucket if there wasn't a second <laughs> guesser out there. That's for sure. Now that you're uh, away from the game and, and away from coaching and away from uh, you know the the athletic directors program, uh, how do you really feel about referees? I'll be honest with you, it's a totally thankless job. <laughs> it, 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 it really is. And I will say this: both my wife and I, we built some good friendships with a lot of those game officials. Yeah, because obviously you get to know those people are coming back and forth constantly you get to you get to know them a little bit and I think that you know I always used to try and school my coaches to just it's simple rules and this is the way I always taught my players there's boundaries coaches coach players play officials officiate none of us are perfect we're all going to make mistakes and I think too often people um, lose themselves in that and lose them, themselves in the fact that, you know, these guys, these people are, are high school officials. They get paid peanuts to right. do this. And when you look at the abuse that some of them can take from time to time, I, you know, I say to myself, um, why are they doing it? And, that, you know, people have asked me, they said, you know, well, now that you retired, do you think you'll step into officiating? I'm like, no way. No way. <laughs> you couldn't pay me a good salary no. to do that. <laughs> um, no. I really, I do have, yeah. I have a lot of respect for them. And I think that, you know, I think we all from time to time have maybe stepped over that line. Um, and I have tried as best I can, at least from a coaching standpoint, an athletic director standpoint, to promote that uh, – we're, we're very fortunate to have them to be willing to, to do this. And that is a profession that, I mean, not just in our area, but nationwide, um, they're hurting for officials, and a lot of it has to do just with the 
the way that people are are treating them. Yeah, and it, and it is unfortunate because obviously we are talking about high school sports and we're not professional. We're not even at college where, uh, you know, it's almost professional at that point. Um, you know, the high school athletics is still supposed to be fun. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can get lost with, uh, with us adults as we get in the way, so to speak of the kids. Uh, so, you know, it, it was a loaded question cause I knew you would come up with a PC answer, <laughs> but, uh, and, and of course we've uh, sat in the broadcast booth and, uh, you know, had our opinions on the stripes, but, uh, it is, it is, it's, and you had it nailed it as far as the thankless job. I mean, there's no way uh, they barely get thanked. You know, they have a day, I guess. There's officiating. Oh, and then, no, it's a week now, I guess. You know, the National biggest thing you look look at from officiating is to be consistent. Right. And that might be consistently good. That might be consistently bad. <laughs> at least you know where the strike you know, zone is. You, if it's, you yeah. know, you know what you got. And totally. it's like I used to have to explain to my softball pitchers all the time that each umpire is going to have a little different strike zone. Yeah. Our job is to figure out what that strike zone is. And that's what we're going to have to um, to throw to. We may not like it. But yeah. that's what we've got to do, and that's what we've got to, you know, that's what we've got to live with. Yeah. Any mentors as you were progressing through your sort of coaching career and or with the athletic director? I mean, obviously, you know, Vito being around him must have had a, a huge influence, influenced everybody. But uh, was there anyone else that specifically uh, stood out as far as helping you out? You know, like I said, with the softball, I was pretty much self-trained. Yeah. <laughs> but I started to, I wanted to get my players involved in summer programs of some kind. So I started to coach with the Bay State games for a mm. number of years. Um, and after working as an assistant coach with the Bay State games for a couple of years, I took the head coaching job. Wow. And I palled up with some of our local Cape coaches, um, Mike Benasia, who's mm -hmm. at, still at DY High School. Um, Kevin Cook was then the coach at Falmouth High School, and Gene Russell was the coach at Sandwich High School. And the four of us worked together to coach the coastal um, division of the base right. games. And I think that we all fed off of one another real well. And I think that I learned from them. They, they learned from me. And we also, we had a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of laughs together. So that was, uh, you know, a, a good experience. And I would say that there was mentoring going um, both ways. Right. Um, obviously, when I came in initially, Vito was the person that hired me as a coach. And he kind of guided me from a standpoint of coaching my own kid and coaching um, a girls team. So... As far as the athletic director's job yeah. go, basically confided and talked to Tom Holgate, who was then the athletic director at Duxbury, yeah, and was yeah. a former athletic director at Nantucket High School. Yep. Um, we became close friends, and would I would talk. He was my go-to guy. He's a do-gooder, just a, a good guy. A good guy, um, and he, he'd been there for a yeah. while, and he was very well respected at the state level. So Tom was somebody that not just myself, but a lot of new ADs would lean on for um, advice and stuff. And then, you know, as far as the Cape and Islands League goes and stuff, you start, you know, meeting and talking with other athletic directors. And there is there's definitely a brotherhood and a network there sure. where you can, uh, you know, you can communicate and you can you, you can learn a lot from one another. Well, it's great that there's not, you know, like the rivalry stuff doesn't interfere with, because it is, you're all battling the same sort of, you know, puzzle, I like to call it, and putting the puzzle together as far as scheduling is, 
I mean, just a nightmare for, for us in the vineyard. That's unique to anybody. Um, but also just letting your kids be the success story, you know, and kind of getting out of the way a little bit. Well, and that's a, that's a good point. And that is something that I always felt it was important both as a coach and as an athletic director. Um, I never wanted to be the in the forefront. I never wanted to be the spotlight. Um, I felt that if I was in the spotlight, it was typically when something was going <laughs> something was going wrong. Awry, yeah. Um, that it really needed to. You know, you'll hear a lot of people say or use the statement. It's really it's all about the kids. Um, I wanted to live that statement, and I really did want it to be all about the kids. And I would have to say, you know, whenever anybody asked me about what did you, what did you like about the athletic director's job, or what did you like about your coaching job the most, that's a simple answer. It's it's it was working with the kids, and you know the relationships that I've been fortunate enough to build um, through my years of coaching and stuff um, are just incredible. And to this day. It's just really, really nice because kids will come back, kids that don't live here, um, come back to the island. They'll take the time to seek you out or to find you and to say hello. I'll get a, a little message on Facebook or something every now and then or just a text from a formal player and yeah. stuff. And that's when you know that what you have been doing has helped some others and has been a positive. Yeah, uh, well, it, it, I can say very confidently from all of Whalers Nation that you have left your mark, sir, and, and certainly you know, should be recognized and hopefully will be recognized beyond our little conversations and uh, you know, a job well done. Uh, and again, thank you for all of your time. Uh, we're gonna finish this up with our little Whalers Roundup where we're just gonna shoot a couple, I'm gonna shoot a couple questions at you uh, that may have uh, to do with the player first. And uh, first one is of course, our, uh, what was your number when you were playing? And did you have a, a why, a story behind that? My number was number 20. I wore that yep. for football and yep. basketball when I played. And the number 20 was because my birthday is on October 20th. So there you go. that was my just my number. Perfect. Any game day traditions as a player and or as a coach? You know, Chris, not, not really. Um, I mean, I had... As a softball coach, we had a routine that we went through before every game. So yep. it was really just making sure that um, everything was in place and everything was set for that. So no, um, no yeah, superstitions. No of superstitions. Any sort. Okay. No, you know, um, wearing the same underwear right. for you know seventeen <laughs> weeks or something. Uh, uh, no, nothing like that. Was there an athlete? I know you talked about mentor uh, as far as uh, you know, coaches and athletic directors. Was there a college athlete that was your favorite, and uh, and why that athlete was was your favorite? Um, well, one athlete, and I still follow her to this day, was uh, Jenny Finch. Okay, um, terrific softball pitcher at the University of Arizona, um, but. Jenny's kind of taken that to a whole new level. And if you follow her and you follow her postings on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, she's pretty much dedicated her life to building a stronger base for female athletes and for women and doing that um, through her through her softball and really does a terrific job with it. Um, you know, from that standpoint, there's just, I mean, they're, you know, athletes that I look up to sure. um, and whatnot. 
you know, I'm an old school guy, an old guy, and, you know, I love the old sports. And, you know, when people talk about the Celtics, I'm thinking about Bill Russell yeah. and John Havlicek and that bunch. You know, when you talk about the Patriots, it's some of the older guys, maybe a Teddy Bruschi or somebody sure. like that. And, you know, I think the old school guys, baseball would be Karya Stremski and, you know, Louis Tiant and all those old boys that, um, played professional sports has changed. I think it's become way too. It's become overpaid, and it's been become more of a a me thing than a we thing. And yeah. I'm just a I'm a we coach. I I coach from the standpoint of it's all about the the team, and that's that's where my roots are. And that's the right way to do it, too, by the way. <laughs> You've got my vote. The business end of it gets in the way. But uh, it's nice that the Jenny Finch uh, story, because she represents more than just the sport. And she puts the entirety of it in front of her accolades, um, which, again, is admirable and, and understandable why you would put her and mention her immediately. Yeah, I'd also have to say now that, uh, unfortunately, in my my wife has to sit there and has to watch some uh, Clemson softball on TV right now because Clemson's got a great softball program. John Rittman has done an incredible job. Their program's only four years old, and they're currently ranked fifth, wow. in, fifth in the country. Just got a, a great team, and there is a player on that team, a girl by the name of Valerie Cagle, uh-huh. who is just an exceptional softball player and athlete. She's in the uh, top 10 in the country in hitting, and she's in the top five in the pitching category. Uh, wow. Just a phenomenal athlete and phenomenal softball player. So um, I really enjoy watching them play. Go Whalers and go Tigers, I guess, right? You got it. Uh, so three things. I know you mentioned a few things already that makes, uh, you know, that you saw represented in uh, Mr. Aloisi, but three things that in your opinion, make a student athlete great? Uh, That one's easy. And I preached this for years, and every player that ever played for me could repeat this. Attendance, attitude, and effort. Um, And that's what it's really all about. And I used to just preach at them constantly and say, these are things, these are equalizers. There are athletes, some are faster than others, some are bigger than others, some are just better than others. But you can equalize everything with your attendance, your attitude, and your effort. Show up, show up on time, ready to play, ready to participate. Show up with a good attitude that you're going to work as hard as you possibly can to be the best member of your team that you possibly can. And then give your best effort in everything that you do. And the caveat on all that is um, you're talking as a coach, but every time I talk to him, I said, this is not about the sport. This is about life. And if you will approach everything in your life the same way that I'm trying to get you to approach it here on the softball field, you're going to be very happy, successful people. It's just fun listening to you. I could, we could go on for hours and hours here, but it's 100% right. I was going to chime in that those are more like life lessons than uh, just sporting lessons, but great stuff. Uh, let's get a little lighter. How about juice bar flavor? What's your favorite? Uh, peppermint stick ice cream is my, my favorite. Love it. Uh, and then uh, I know we're going, I, we're going way back here, probably some classic rock, but what was your hype song when you were uh, dressing in uh, Whaler's Blue back in the day? Was there a song that you, that you were the team listened to or as you when you were coaching was there one that you guys really got behind as a a coach you know as a player i really don't i mean you know you're talking back in the days of eight track (laughs) we didn't have an eight track player in the locker room that's out on the mid mid court (laughs) um so you know 
The, the one thing, when you start talking about hype songs, there are a couple things that come to mind. One was a team that I had back in the early 2000s, and they locked into the the song I'm a Barbie Girl. Oh. And that got played on our bus <laughs> and before every game. Um, Rob Reed and Bill Tanavish were coaching with me then, and yeah. the three of us would look at one another. And that, that song just got embedded in your brain. And I'm not going to tell you it was one of my favorites, <laughs> but a lot of the memories that go along with yeah. that song were some of my favorites. So, yeah, that, that, was, that, that was something special. I'm just happy I got to, to say Barbie. I'm, I'm here. <laughs> well, Chris, as I said, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I, I knew we would have a great conversation. It's always fun uh, hanging out. We'll have to... Uh, plan on since you maybe have a little more free time uh, getting you up in the broadcast booth with me we had a lot of fun doing some hoops games last year uh with a great run uh, those boys had and again uh enjoy your time with the family i know that now gets to be at the top of the list which is a lot of fun and uh, certainly more more rewarding in a lot of ways than than all the time you you put in uh changing other people's lives now you get a chance to to celebrate them uh, no matter what they're doing uh, so p- please enjoy them and again thanks very much for joining us here today well i appreciate you having me on and uh really appreciate everything that you're doing what you're doing is an extension of what I did for years and you know what you're doing with the broadcasting is affecting a lot of lives because it means a lot to these people to be able to you know see and hear um, these sports when they can't get there in person so um, thank you for having me on today and keep up the good work thanks very much and thanks very much for uh, NCTV 18 for obviously all their technical assistance and always supporting Whalers Nation Uh, we invite you to join us here again as we talk with the Whalers that make up Whalers Nation remember you can jump on the Nantucket Sports Connection on YouTube for all your live stream coverage of Whalers Athletics or anytime you want to just revisit a big Whalers win because we got a bunch of them on there now Uh, also Channel 18 locally here always has replays of Whalers games. For Jamie Lower, even though she was a little under the weather, I am Chris Morris. Until the next time we go beyond the numbers, go Whalers. This podcast is brought to you in part by Nantucket Community Television. It was recorded in NCTV's podcast studio, which is free for all members. The views expressed in this episode belong to the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of NCTV. To become a member or to learn more, please email info at nctv18.org.